Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. What is going on? Hope everyone had an amazing weekend. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. We have to throw out a huge congrats to the Aussie Steelers who captured the WBSC Men's World Cup this past weekend down in New Zealand. They defeated Canada 5-2 in the finals. Uh, we'll get into that game and the whole tournament in a lot more detail next week. We have a very special episode that will be announced later on this week. It's going to be a dandy, trust me. Uh, this week's OTC Player of the Week comes to us from the Tampa Mustangs Bell team as Natalie Cable takes home the weekly honors. Natalie was dominant in the circle as she reeled off three wins with 32 Ks in 24 and two-third innings work and held opponents to a 119 batting average. Awesome job, Natalie. Best of luck moving forward. On to this week's guest and we sat down and chatted with Northwestern University alum, Athletes Unlimited star and 2020 Olympian with Team Italy, Andrea Filler. Andrea has had a fantastic career to date. She earned NFCA All-Region Team distinction three times, while also being a two-time first-team All-Big Ten Conference selection while at Northwestern. She would capture an MPF championship with the Chicago Bandits in 2016, and then move on to play professionally in Italy, where she won the 2021 Italian Pro League batting title after leading the league with a 5.17 batting average and eight home runs. Andrea would also represent Italy at the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo and currently plays with Athletes Unlimited. We're going to talk to Andrea about getting her start in the game, her time at Boston College, the transfer to Northwestern, of course those Olympic Games, Athletes Unlimited, and much, much more. Andrea was such a pleasure to chat with. This is another one of those episodes you're not going to want to miss. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that? Happy to welcome with us today, two-time All-Big Ten First Team Selection, Northwestern University alum, Athletes Unlimited star, and 2020 Olympian, Andrea Filler. Andrea, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are things? Are you in Evanston? That's I was going to ask you. Yes, I am in Evanston. Okay, uh, how's how's things going in Evanston, Evanston today? Things are good. Um, honestly, the... It looks like the trees outside are about to blow over right now because it's so windy. Um, 
So I'm very glad to not be outside and to be inside, but uh, temperatures are dropping here in the Midwest. And um, because of the time change, it's getting dark very early. So don't you hate that? uh, Yes. 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 We're in that phase of the year right now. So, uh, you know, we're just kind of looking forward to other things like, you know, holiday festivities and, Mm -hmm. and that stuff. But we're definitely bringing out the the coats and the gloves. Yep, for sure. Well, you have to. I, and you you guys are just getting over, of course, Thanksgiving last weekend. I mean, that's a that's a whole another holiday in itself down there in the states. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I um I I spent two days here um, for Thanksgiving with my husband's family, and then two uh, three days in at my hometown in um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. So. Um, it was a, it was a busy, but fun weekend with family. Right on, right on. You got, got your fill, did you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> with, with company, with, with the laughter and, and the family, but with the food, definitely. <laughs> right on, right on. So what's been on, what's been on the go since, uh, since the season's been over? Um, honestly, not a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. I, um, after the season ended, I kind of said to myself like, okay, we're going to take, time off for the first time in a really long time. Um, and I'm just really kind of forcing myself to do that. I think it's, it's really, really hard to, um, set aside time where you're not, you know, doing softball training specifically. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard mentally, I would say to fight that battle in in your mind, Mm. um, of like, I don't have to get up and go, you know, to the facility today and train. I need time off. So, um, I'm really making a, an effort this, this off season to do that, um, just to take some time off. And I've actually been pretty busy. Um, there's been a lot of friends and family weddings and, um, spending more time with family, um, you know, taking time on the weekends to go see them. So, I've been busy, um, you know, just with some non-softball stuff and, and enjoying that as well. Right on. I mean, that's, that's huge, you know, not even, not just for the body, but for the mind as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, I kind of, I felt like last year at the end of the year, at the end of AU, it was my first season with AU and, um, you know, I really wanted to, to make a good impression and, and AU is tough just scheduling anyway. There's a, mm. um, a lot of games in a short amount of time. And I felt like at the end of the season, I was definitely um, mentally ready for a break. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to listen to my mind and, and my body at, at this point. You know, I'm not a, a spring chicken anymore. I'm almost <laughs> so, um, you know, it's part of part of training when you're 30, almost 30 is, is listening to those things, you know, more than ever. Absolutely. I totally hear you there. Hey, I'm 44 and I'm still pitching and I try to listen to my body, but I usually don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just a battle for sure. We have to kind of like accept the fact that you're not. No, I know. Do anymore. Um, but it's frustrating. It really is. Yeah, it is. It is. But at the same time, you're older and you're wiser and, you know, there's you're better off for for being at that age that you are as well. I will take that and I will say yes with a, a <laughs> nod and a wink. <laughs> uh, so we have a little thing that uh, I like to start the podcast off with. I call it uh, quick pitches. I'm going to okay. I'm going to throw some random questions to you and you answer them as best you can. OK. All right. First one, if you had to live off one meal for a week, what would it be? One meal for a week. Hmm. Well, I like to cook a lot. Um, I try to cook pretty much every night if I can. Um, 
But the one night or, you know, a few nights that I don't cook, I usually go with sushi. Um, there's a place in, in Evanston that that I'm obsessed with. Um, and I really keep it pretty basic. Um, just go with like the salmon avocado rolls with some spicy mayo. But um, that's usually my go-to meal when I'm going out for dinner. So uh, sushi would be it for me. Oh, so good. And yeah. just exactly what you said, the the salmon with avocado and the spice. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah, so simple and so good. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that my, my Italian family and friends would be mad at me for not <laughs> Italian, but I was going to say go. that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, next one. Biggest thing you miss at Northwestern. Ooh. Um, I would say just probably just being a part of a team, um, like a, a college team. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything like that. You know, I, I've played on a lot of teams since graduating college and there's nothing really like competing, um, with people, um, you know, on the field and training, training and practicing and, and going to classes together, like everything that you go through together, um, you really kind of get pushed to your limit together as a group. And I think it, um, grows like a really special bond, um, you know, with that group. And, and I think that's something that I, that I miss a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, especially at that, in that setting where you're around your teammates so much through like the whole course of the whole season. Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And you, you know, you build just such a, a close camaraderie together. You spend so much time like, um, on the bus, on the plane, you know, mm -hmm. there's so much, there's so much time on the field and, and but there's also even more time off the field and, and you go through a lot together. You grow, you grow up together. You know, it's a yeah. really unique time period in your life. So, um, I do, I do miss those times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the best, how would you rate your karaoke skills? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not even going to try to fake it. Like <laughs> it's probably at like a one or two, honestly. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to be honest, like I'm not a big karaoke person. I like to watch other people do karaoke, but I just, I don't have a singing voice. I, I don't have rhythm really. So it, it's, it's pretty low for me. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, if you could go back and play one game over again, which one is it? Um, wow. That's a good question. Um, I'd probably have to pick, um, the, regional game um of my fifth year season which was in 2016 we played oklahoma state um it was the game that ended my career mm -hmm. and um it was a really it was a really really good game um obviously it meant a lot because we would have stayed in the regional it was a do or die game um but i would have i would like to go back and and replay that game because i felt like there were so many um instances in the game where the ball just kind of like didn't fall our way mm -hmm. uh, and you know like during the game you can feel that and it's like such a battle i think the game was like back and forth back and forth like they would score and then we would respond and we ended up going into extra innings um and i got like a really funky I, I was playing shortstop. I got a really funky, like downspin chopper ground ball. There was a, a runner on base. 
Um, and unfortunately, like just bobbled the ball a little bit, the run scored. Um, and then we weren't able to come back in the bottom of the ninth and, and score again. So <sighs> if I would go back that, that one was a tough one. I think it was the most sad I've ever been in my life, probably after that game, but it was the end of my career as well. So right. if I go back, I, I would like to, to redo that one, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, <laughs> wait. It, it's especially looking back now when it's, you know, your last college game and you're like, wow, if I could have done this. You right. Know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I, I didn't revisit it for a while. It was like, I, I'm at the place where like, I cannot, yeah. I can't even think about it, but we're, we're, we've moved on since then. We've played a lot of games since then and, and we're all good. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> all good things come to an end. Yeah. You know? Time heals all wounds. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, next one, best walk-up song you've used over your career. Ooh, best walk-up. So I'm one of those people that like switches their song pretty much every year. I, I kind of get like sick of, of songs and, um, so yeah, I've changed my song about every year. I would say my favorite one was this past season with Athletes Unlimited. Um, I did a song called Get It Girl by Sweetie. And it was, I saw it um, originally on a champion commercial. And right when I saw it, it was, you know, just a bunch of like really cool female. Um, I don't know if they were necessarily athletes, but um, just females in, in the ad. And I was like, yes, this is my song. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and it has kind of like a catchy, repetitive start to the song. So I gotta love them. Um, yeah. I kind of got the fans into it a little bit. So I, I like that one a lot. Okay. I'm writing that down. I got to check that one out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next one. Toughest pitcher you've had to face over your career. Ooh. Um, Toughest pitcher, I would say, I mean, I would say probably Monica Abbott, um, simply because, I mean, Makes obviously sense. she's one, yeah, <laughs> one of the best pitchers in the game, but I feel like I've only had, I only have ever had like one, one at bat for sure, maybe, maybe two, like mm -hmm. we played um, at the same time in the NPF. Um, I'm not sure if I ever gotten in that bat off of her in the NPF, but then um, I only got one at bat off of her, uh, at, in Tokyo and mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I struck out in three pitches, um, <laughs> which is like every hitter's nightmare. Uh, well, you wouldn't be the first though. But yeah, so I feel like, uh, she's one, just one of the toughest pitchers out there in the game, obviously. Um, so I would love another opportunity to hit off of her. Right on. Uh, two more here. Uh, best thing about playing over in Italy. Um, Ooh, so there's, there's a lot of things I love playing about playing in Italy. Um, probably my most favorite thing is, uh, the environment. It's, um, the best way that I can explain it is, um, like if you, if you've ever seen like how fans are so invested in European soccer and like they have air horns and, um, you know, any noise maker in the stands yeah. and posters. And it, it's just like, that fandom is like also replicated in, in softball as well. Um, and I think it's very unique. Like we don't really have that type of fandom here in the U S um, you know, maybe a little bit in like NFL football with people like painting their faces and stuff, but definitely not in softball. You know, I think the fans are just a little, a little different. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, that's very unique and that like the fans are, are invested in, in every aspect of the game and they bring a lot to the game, even though we're a really small league and 
and not playing in front of that many fans, you, you feel like you're playing in front of a lot of fans. Right. And then kind of going off of that is, is just the, um, the sense of community and the sense of family over in in Italy is like kind of unmatched. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like they, we, it's funny, uh, um, after, after every game and and a lot of practices, we always have like a team meal at the field, um, with the team, but it was always prepared by, you know, some of the team moms and it was like handmade, homemade pasta, um, and it was always, uh, you know, some kind of like different variation of, of a pasta dish. And, um, for me, that was always the best part is like sitting down, kind of breaking bread, like with your family, um, after, you know, maybe a great win or a tough loss. And I felt like that always kind of brought us together. And especially for me, um, somebody that obviously doesn't live there full time, but kind of like coming into their world for a short amount of time and, um, you know, somebody that also doesn't speak their language. Um, it was a way I felt like that connected us really quickly and really easily. Um, and, and just unique that they take the time out of their, out of their days to make a homemade meal for us and, and, um, share, you know, their culture and, um, their time, their time with me. I really, I really like that part of it. Wow. That's awesome. Nothing like, you know, winning or losing the game and being like, Oh, well, I get to go have some spaghetti and meatballs now. Like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even downplay how good the food was, you know, oh. like the, best, the best food that you're, you're ever going to eat. There's nothing, you know, when you travel and you're a tourist, like you're going and you're trying different restaurants and um, you know, that's obviously a great part of, of traveling, but there's, there's nothing like having a, an Italian, a homemade dish from a true Italian mother. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I swear by that. Yeah, no doubt. And what's funny is like, usually one of the questions that I sometimes have on this quick pitches is, you know, if you could go on vacation somewhere in the world, where would it be? Like my number one bucket list is Italy. I, I yeah. want to go to Italy. It doesn't matter where it's at. Have, I, I just want to go to Italy. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you have somewhere in, in particular that you'd like to go or just anywhere? Uh, like, well, obviously Rome. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's a given. But I mean, you know, you see on like on, you know, go on YouTube. You can go on YouTube, of course, and, you know, search destinations in Italy. And it doesn't matter where you put in. Every place looks amazing. Absolutely. I I think the one fun part is that every city has its own unique culture and they're all just a little bit different than one another. You know, similarly to how the states are here in the U.S., like Mm -hmm. Texas is going to be completely different than Indiana, you know. So that's the fun part about going over to Italy is each region, you know, has something um, specific from their region, maybe food wise, or like from the landscape standpoint that each place is so different. And, and what's fun too, is you can just jump on the train quickly and you can be, you know, two hours, three hours on the train to um, a different city with a completely different atmosphere. Um, that's what's fun about Italy. And the best thing about being on the train is you you get to see the landscape of the country, right? Yes, absolutely. Oh man, that's okay. We could talk about Italy the whole podcast. I, I yeah, can keep going, exactly. <laughs> but we got, I digress. We have to move on. <laughs> uh, last one here. Uh, Go to show to binge watch. Um, I would have to say Game of Thrones. Um, so I got me and my husband got into Game of Thrones like heavy in. 
what year was that? Maybe like 20, 2018, I think. He was in law school and we would just like, you know, he was going to class all day studying and then we would just like turn on Game of Thrones and watch maybe like four episodes at a time. And so we got like, we got really, really deep into it and uh, we really enjoyed it. And we even, um, after he took the bar exam, we we took a trip to Croatia to Dubrovnik to see this the city that they filmed Game of Thrones in. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was, it was incredible. It like honestly looked like a movie set, which uh, is probably why they picked it. But it was, it was an incredible trip. And um, anyway, yeah, there's, there's also kind of a, a fun fact or a fun story, I guess. Um, so you know how when you have an iPhone, you can turn your phone into a hotspot, right? Yeah. So as a joke, uh, my, my husband would connect to my, to my hotspot on my phone. And so as a joke, one day I turned my, I changed the name of my phone to your grace's iPhone because they call like the Kings and the Queens, your grace. So as a joke, <laughs> I changed it to that. And so he was looking and looking and looking for my name for the iPhone to connect to it. And then he's like, what's this, your grace? I'm like, yeah, that's me. You can refer to me as that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. Actually, I got to admit, I've only seen the first episode. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I mean, I will say it's very long and there's a lot of characters. Like, it's really, it's a really, you have to pay attention. You cannot look away from the TV for, you know, even a minute. Yeah. Um, but once you get into it, it gets really good. There's some seasons that are a little slower than others. So you got to hang in there. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a really, it's a really good show. Yeah. I, and, I always felt like, uh, like a person that like at my work, if, if, <laughs> if somebody was talking about Game of Thrones, like when it was of course at its height, they'd be talking about it and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but, yes. it, but I always wanted to know, like in my head, I know I'm probably going to watch it eventually. It's just, I yeah. need to bring myself to dedicate that time to. <laughs> right. Once you wrap your mind around it and accept it, then you know you're going to go down the rabbit hole and, and you're not going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. And But I've also heard that, you know, the ending is not the best. Yeah. The, the ending is pretty controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I don't, I liked it. It was okay. I think that they, you know, it was just a different format than, than the other seasons because they were seasons of like, you know, 12 or 15 episodes. And then this one finished in like, three longer or four longer episodes that were more I would say more like movies rather than episodes um right. yeah they just they they kind of wrapped it up quickly there was like less character development I feel like and um I mean the the producers had to do what they had to do because um George R. R. Martin didn't finish writing the the series so nobody really knew how it was supposed to end so they kind of just did what they had to do but oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> finished with my with my spiel on game of thrones there <laughs> all right all right well let's get on to your career so uh tell us how little andrea got her start in the game yeah um so i started playing when i was um probably like you know six whenever you start playing t-ball mm -hmm. um and then i really got into um playing like competitively um about third grade uh, third grade I started playing on my first travel team and um, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's where I was born and raised. And uh, we didn't really have a whole lot of like competitive softball in my area at the time. So, um, you know, my dad 
went on online and, and just kind of like searched for a travel team. And, um, he got me on a team that was in Anderson, Anderson, um, Indiana, which was like close to Muncie. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first team that I was on. Um, we were like a B level team at that time, but it was my first like exposure to travel ball. Um, and then I just kind of, um, you know, caught fire from there. Then I joined, um, the Indiana shockwaves the year after that we were based out of Indianapolis. Um, so from the time I was in, that was when I was nine, um, up until I was a senior in high school, I played for the Indiana shockwaves, um, organization. And we were based out of, uh, Indianapolis and Frankfurt, Indiana area. Um, so it was a lot of driving for me. I, um, I, since I was from Fort Wayne, it was two hours to Indy or about two and a half, almost three to Frankfurt. So, you know, every weekend, um, I would be driving for practices, but then throughout the week I would, um, I would go once a week to Indianapolis to do lessons, um, down there again, just because, uh, my area kind of lacked in the, in the instruction, mm -hmm. um, area. So, um, that's kind of how I really got started, um, playing, um, you know, competitively and travel ball. And, um, you know, I think from the start, it was, it was unique. My dad, um, said that he was never going to put me in baseball. So it, he was like very much against, I, I have, um, three brothers by the way. So oh, okay. all of them were playing sports as well. Um, and he was, I, I actually have a twin brother too. So him and I were kind of going through the sports scene at the same time. And my dad was just like, she's not going to play baseball. She's going to play softball. Like softball is what she plays. And so um, I think it's unique. You know, you hear a lot of stories about people playing baseball primarily and then switching to softball. Um, so I thought he had a unique approach on that and, um, you know, started small and, and just kind of like the um, leagues around around home. And then, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have him to drive me to my lessons and kind of help um, help put me in the best position to to learn mm -hmm. um, to, and to grow as a as a young athlete. Isn't it crazy what, uh, you know, parents will do for their kids? Like I, I had sis Bates on here last month and uh -huh. she told the story about, you know, her and her father getting up at three o'clock in the morning to drive six to seven hours, you know, to go to what they need to do and then drive another six to seven hours back home. Like, I'm like, your dad is crazy. But I mean, it's, it's true right across the board as far as parents go. I mean, they'll do what they need to do to, you know, for their child to, to be successful, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's unbelievable when I think about all the time, obviously the money, um, but you know, just the time and effort that they took and just for them to kind of have a vision of where they, where they saw us going, um, you know, I don't think that like in this pursuit, and I mean, I'd have to ask my dad's take on this, but like, I don't think in, in the pursuit, it was like, you're going to do this because you're going to earn a scholarship. Like, right, right. I, just like the, the actual act of going on and like making yourself the best you can be at something and, and continuing on until you get there. And so, um, yeah, I think it was really unique too. Um, another unique thing is I mentioned my twin brother, um, he played ice hockey. And so there was not a lot of opportunities for ice hockey in our area as well. So him and I would jump in the car after school. Um, we would do our homework in the car. My dad always said like, right away, you have to do your homework because you're not going to do it after, you know, the car ride and going to your lessons and your practice. So right away, we would have a snack in the car that my mom made us, which was usually, you know, like a sandwich of some sort. And 
Um, we would all do like our homework in the car on the way. And then my dad would drop my brother off um, at like an exit to a teammate. His teammate would drive him to practice. And then my dad would go with me to my lesson. We get back in the car, we'd go pick up my brother at his practice. And then we would grab, you know, something quick on the way home for dinner and then go home. And that was like our routine for a long time. Um, and you know, there's, I think there's a lot of looking back on it. There's like a lot of lessons to learn from it, but I'm just so incredibly grateful for my parents for, you know, taking, putting in so much effort to get us to, you know, where we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, did you have a love for the game right away or did it, that happen over time? Um, I, I do think I had a love for the game. Um, but I just think I had a love for competing. Um, softball wasn't the only sport that I played. Um, so I guess if we flash back to, uh, when I was nine years old, I was also, so I was in like every sport, but I was also in dance. And, um, so it's kind of funny cause I have no rhythm. So <laughs> about me dancing is hilarious, but um, yeah, I was in dance and like did it pretty, um, pretty heavily too. So I had to decide if I was going to do stay in dance or if I was, if I was going to, um, pursue travel softball just because of how much time it took. So, you know, obviously I decided, you know, to continue on with softball, who knows where I would be if I went into dance, but, um, so, but anyway, yeah, I just think I had a love for competing. I, I, I have three brothers. Uh, um, I'm the oldest, but I just kind of grew up like surrounded by them um, playing. We were always playing some type of sport, whether it was, you know, in the cul-de-sac with our neighbors, um, with our cousins. I have two older uh, male cousins. I have a lot of cousins, oh. but those two in particular, I was always with that. We were always together. And so um, I guess a funny story kind of looking back too is, um, we would always go over to our cousin's house and my whole family played ice hockey. And so we always played mini sticks and I'm sure you're familiar. Very with familiar. Are, yeah. <laughs> so what was funny is, um, we would always like, we had like a legit, um, like playing area set up. So it was like this area in their basement, this unfinished area in their basement. And like, they like laid carpet down and we had like full size nets and they took like old sticks that broke and they would, um, like cut them down into mini stick size. And so there was like a whole art to playing these, this like basement mini stick game. Um, and we would have like music from like all the NHL games playing on the, you know, on the speaker and whatever. So that's just setting the scene. But like, I was, always with them and I was always competing with them and they would always put me in net because I <laughs> definitely had no like stick handling skills. So I was always in net, but what's even funnier is I was in full gear. Like I was fully padded, mm -hmm. helmet, chest protector, the, the leg pads, whatever. And so, you know, just like years of being surrounded by like these older cousins and my brothers that were so competitive and I would like see them get in like fist fights and like yelling matches and whatever. I feel like it <laughs> like kind of like set the base of like me being competitive, but I felt, I always kind of felt like a little of that, like underdog, you know, yep. I was the underdog. I, I didn't play hockey and I was the only girl. So I was always trying to like out, you know, I always wanted to beat, beat them and prove to them that I belong. So I kind of credit them looking back on it for like starting my, I, f I feel like naturally I had a fire for competitive, for being competitive, but, um, I feel like they kind of like definitely kicked that off for me. Um, and then, you know, I played a lot of other sports. So, mm. um, I played basketball and volleyball and softball. Those are like my three sports. 
Wow. You have no idea how much I can picture that vividly. <laughs> you know, growing up here in Canada, I mean, hockey's our thing, right? Like, yeah. And I can picture that so vividly being in the basement. Like, it doesn't matter if it was, you know, it could be mini sticks. It could be cut off sticks. It could be full on hockey sticks. That's right. just what we did up here. And the fact that you added in the music, that's even better. Oh, the the music was the best part. Yes. It was like there was a warm up mix, like a specific warm up yep. mix. I'm going to I'm going to sound old saying this, but like they would make like a CD, burn a CD and then put like a warm up mix on it. And then when the game started, obviously the music would be off. But what's even funnier is like after they scored a goal, someone had to like run over to the um, boot box and like push play. To <laughs> Hit the play, goal like, song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Oh, that just brings back so many memories. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so prior to you going to college, uh, are there any big moments, you know, personally that stick out for you? Um, let's see. I would say, um, you know, from a softball standpoint, I, I just think, um, I played on the same team since I was nine until I was like 18. And so we had a lot of continuity on our team. Um, and a lot of, I kind of like grew up with a, with a core group of, um, of girls. And so I think that's something that sticks out to me is like, we grew up together. Um, and we, you know, we experienced a lot together. Um, those are kind of like pivotal years in, in, in your life, obviously. Um, but you know, we battled everything together, like, and we were, it was unique too, because, um, you know, those, those girls were like my best friends, like the people that, um, I really trusted and I spent a lot of time with, um, away from school and, and, you know, for me personally at school, like I didn't have a lot of like super close friends because I just kind of felt like I was on, a, I guess, a little bit of a different path. Like not really many people um, played or, or I guess were doing what I was doing. I spent a lot of time away then, like on the weekends. And so those girls, they we, we lived apart from each other. But, um, you know, we really leaned on each other a lot and and, um, kind of have friendships for life. So mm -hmm. that really sticks out to me. We, you know, obviously went through a lot of hard times together, but we accomplished a lot together. And I think one thing that's, that's really fun about like our story in particular is, you know, we were just a team from Indiana and I don't think Indiana is looked at as like the hotbed for softball, maybe, maybe now more than, than when I played, but when I played travel ball, it was, just California mostly and, you know, in Florida a little bit, but yeah. like the warm weather states. So, yeah. you know, we were just like a little team from Indiana and we had definitely had that underdog mentality. And so, um, we were always, you know, pushing to not just be the best in Indiana, but to be the best in the entire country. And so it was like, so fun that, that we would always just, you know, go out to, um, the big national tournaments at the time, like NSA and ASA nationals were the, were the nationals at the, that time. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was so fun for us to, to compete against like the bat busters and the firecrackers and, and the teams on the West coast, because, uh, we just wanted to prove ourselves. So, yeah. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, you know, you get the, <laughs> that's all you see, you know, as far as, you know, travel ball goes, it's, you know, it, of course it is the bat busters. It's, it's the firecrackers. It's a, well, now it's, you know, the teams in Texas and it's, well, it's right across the board now, really. But, right. uh, but, uh, yeah, of course you want to, you want to be able to compete against those big teams. Um, 
let's talk about the recruiting process for you. What, uh, what led to Boston College? Um, yeah, so the recruiting process was definitely different um, during my time than it is now. So um, during my time and, and during my process, I was, I, I was pretty early on in the process. So at that time, I was a sophomore. Um, and, um, you know, at that time, it was, it was early. I know, like, the, the state of softball right now has kind of gotten really young. They were even at the point of eighth graders committing. And now the rules changed and it's back to only being able to communicate with juniors. But anyway, um, so at that time, I was a sophomore, which was very early. And, um, you know, it just kind of like, I didn't really have like a whole lot of direction, I would say. Like, there wasn't like a playbook on how to become recruited at that time. You know, you just kind of like did whatever your head coach said would be the, you know, the best way to show your interest in school. So before our national tournament, um, uh, my freshman summer, the, the summer of my freshman year, mm-hmm. um, the, the tournament website had like a list of all the schools that were going to be at the tournaments. Um, so I just kind of went through the list and um, I just started like making a list of all the schools that I was would be interested in interested in. And I think one, you know, one unique thing about my parents is they, they really emphasized, um, getting a a great degree and going to a top, top academic school. So, um, you know, I always, I always included those on my list because that was, um, you know, a really big emphasis for my family. So, um, I played that, I played that tournament and I think that was like my first exposure, um, to colleges. And then, um, you know, the next, so my sophomore year, the winter of my sophomore year, I got an email, um, from, from Boston college and they emailed me and said, you know, sorry, we weren't, we weren't able to make it out, um, to your tournament, but we'd love you to come to camp. And so, um, just, you know, in collaboration with my parents who decided it would be a good opportunity. Um, so I went out to the camp and, um, you know, saw the campus, really, really liked the campus, liked the area. And after the camp, um, they offered me uh, a scholarship. And so, um, you know, it was the first offer that I got. Um, and it was really, obviously, really, really exciting for, for me and, and my career. And um, so that's kind of what led me, what led me to BC. I think I got the offer and I really took it right away. I didn't take um, a whole lot of time to consider anything else. I just, it just kind of like aligned with um, the goals I had for myself academically. So, um, so yeah, after they offered me, I kind of took it and, and um, that's how I ended up at BC. Right on. So what's the, uh, what's the biggest thing to remember about arriving on campus? Oh, wow. Um, that's a big hockey college too like yeah yeah you were probably like man there's a lot of people here that can play mini sticks i know it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no B- bc like culture was um hockey culture was great i i loved going to the hockey games probably slightly more than even football and basketball it was it was just really unique and mm. obviously i had a special connection to it um yeah i think you know just that as any freshman um arriving on campus, it's, it's nerve wracking. It was the first time that I'd ever lived away from home, but I was also, you know, 13 hours from home. So it was this little Midwest girl going to the East coast. And, you know, I think I re- I remember like people's accents were a lot different. Um, I would definitely say in like, Boston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm used to kind of like the, the Midwest, 
Midwestern charm, like the people holding the door open for you and <laughs> how you're doing as you're walking, you know, down the street. And like, once I got there, it was like, whoa, okay, we're not saying hi to each other and we're definitely not holding the door open for each other. Yeah. So watch, watch Goodwill uh, hunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would say that part like kind of threw me off. Like it was a little bit of a culture shock, but you know, I think as, you know, any freshman that's kind of getting used to um, their new routine, it was just, you know, there's a lot of change. Um, you're meeting new teammates and you have a new practice schedule now and you have to learn a lot. Um, you know, um, you have lifting and, and classes and just a lot of responsibility that's all on you at once. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just remember trying to like keep my head above water and, and um, get my feet underneath me and um, you know, I was lucky that I had a good group of seniors and fifth years um, that kind of embraced us as the freshmen, took us under their wing and, and helped us out a lot. Mm. No, see, that's a lot. Of, that's one thing that I don't think a lot of athletes realize is, you know, especially moving away from home that and trying to, you know, adapt to living by yourself. And I guess you, you're not really living by yourself. I mean, you have your teammates and but at the same time, you're more independent. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, like I mentioned before, it's just, you know, you're, you're, everything is new and you're wanting to make an impression on everyone and everything, you know, and like prove yourself. And, um, you know, you have that aspect of it as an athlete. Um, and then you have the other side of it, um, as a student. And I think that's the challenging part too, as a student is you're in a brand new environment, you're in much larger classes. Um, you know, you, you, probably depending on what type of class you're in, you get two grades a year, your midterm and mm -hmm. your final and maybe a participation grade. So, you know, it's on you to manage your, your studies throughout the year. And I think that's um, something that's kind of an un unexpected change from, from high school. Yeah. I'm sure it's overwhelming for, you know, quite a few people for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I like to ask all my guests that played NCAA, do you remember your first game? Um, if I'm being honest, I do not remember my first game at BC, but I remember my first game at Northwestern. Oh, we'll get to um, that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So do you want me to elaborate on that one? No, no, no. We're going to elaborate on that one, but, uh, I'll, I'll your first game at BC, you were one for three single up the middle in the sixth on an O2 count in a three, two win over Delaware. There you go. Wow. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. There Thank you go. You. So, uh, I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from that freshman season? Because, you know, I mean, you talked about adjusting to life and everything, but I mean, as far as personal development in the game, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, well, I, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. I, I would say that my freshman year was hard because um, I was used to being on teams that won a lot. And right. when I got to BC, we really didn't win a lot of games. Um, so that was really hard just trying to try, you know, learning again, like learning what it means to lose and like why we're losing, but then how to, um, you know, stay together as a team when you're losing, there, there's a lot that losing, um, you know, forces you to think about, I would say. So, so that was the challenge for sure. And I was a very like, not happy with that. Like I, I, for the next year I was like, I'm, you know, this isn't what the way that I I'm seeing my college career going. So like, I need to work harder we all need to work harder. We need to be ready to go. You know, there was a lot of, um, changes I would say that like losing a lot showed me. And so I think that was great. Um, 
you know, a great lesson to be learned. And then, you know, just personally, I think, um, the level of the game is, is just a step above, you know, what you were used to, um, in travel ball. So, Mm -hmm. you know, players are faster, um, stronger. They think the game's a lot smarter. So, um, I think that was, you know, a big, um, a big thing that I had to adjust to as well, just that players are players are better at this point, you know, everybody's good. So, um, you know, I had to rise to that level. And, um, you know, I, I just remember uh, the, my senior catcher. So when I was a freshman, I played second base at BC. And I'll never forget, um, we were doing, uh, we were practicing bunts and, and um, I was late to the bag covering first base. My catcher, like the catcher threw down, like she didn't even wait for me to be there. She threw it down, like nowhere near, nowhere near the base to even catch the ball. And I'll never forget, like she, she yelled at me during practice and she was like, you have to be there. Like, there's no excuse. Like, that's your job. You have to be there. Um, And I'll never forget that because it was like the first time that like I had a teammate that number one, like expected me. I mean, that was my job, but like expected more out of me, but then number two, like held me to that standard. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that was awesome to, um, have that from somebody. Cause I, it just, it, it was a different type of accountability coming from a teammate versus a coach or a parent or, you know, somebody that, that teaches you the game. It, it was a different level of accountability that I, that I felt. And I was like, okay, I'm never going to miss my coverage ever again. You know? So, um, I feel like those are just that, that's another thing that I remember from my freshman year. Right on. Now you got hurt your sophomore year, didn't you? Yes, I did. What yeah, happened there? I, yeah, I was um battling kind of like some wrist pain um after the fall season through the winter. And so during after like shortly after the fall season is when I started to feel it. Um this was my sophomore season. When I started to experience some pain and I was just like whatever, just wrap it up, you know, no big deal, tape it, I'll get through it. And it just never got better. And so, um, you know, I went in for some scanning and things and and nothing ever really showed up. So we just, they just kind of thought, well, there's probably nothing wrong, maybe just some inflammation. So take some time off. So um, I took like all of winter break off. um, And then when I got back to school, I was, it was, it was good to go, you know, in January and February, but it slowly started getting worse and I kind of felt it, you know, obviously. So, um, about, I think it was like 13 games or 14 games into the season. Like it was at a point where it was pretty bad. Um, but it was also unique that I was a, I was a middle infielder, but we had a pitcher, I pitched in high school and we had a pitcher, um, that needed a shoulder surgery. And so she was, she was out and, um, we needed somebody that could pitch. So I was like, all right, I guess, you know, I guess I'll try this out. So I also started pitching that year in addition to like doing, you know, regular def like middle infield defense practice and hitting. And so, um, you know, I just think like I had a lot of extra stress on my wrist. And, um, so I, I remember specifically I was, we were playing at UNC, um, against UNC and, um, I was pitching in the game and I had my wrist tape because my wrist hurts so bad, which, you know, is, is, not right what are you doing pitching Uh, yeah like if you're if you're pitching with your wrist tape that's probably not a good thing but anyway I was pitching um and then I you know halfway through the game I remember um I was up to bat and I got jammed swinging I'm I'm right-handed and this was my right hand that was having the, the issue I got jammed swinging and I just remember feeling it kind of pop 
Um, and I was like, okay, this is not, this is not good. This is not right. I went out. Um, I ended up playing short that next inning. Cause I was like, I don't think I can pitch. So I went to short and I went to do like my first, you know, defensive warm up throw. And I tried to throw to first and I'm like, I can't throw the ball. Like I can't throw to first. So, um, I, it probably wasn't smart, but I stayed in the game. I stayed in that like half inning. Um, luckily the ground ball that I got, there was a runner on first. And so I was able to just like underhand toss to second, got out of the inning. And then after that, I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I can't, you know, I can't go anymore. And then I went in for, um, x-rays and stuff and it, um, ended up being a scaphoid. I, I broke my scaphoid bone, which is like Ooh. a really small in your wrist yep. and kind of like complicated, but so yeah, I ended up having surgery and then I was out, I was out for the rest of that season. And, um, you know, I would say that kind of like eventually led to my path to, to Northwestern. And that was the next question. What, what led to the transfer? Yeah. So I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but, um, you know, I just, we, we experienced a lot of losing at BC and, um, it was hard. We, so I came in, um, with a new head coach, not a coach that recruited me. And it was just kind of like, um, an uneasy transition for everybody. I would say it was everybody trying to get used to each other, you know, the team and the staff. And, um, so we experienced a lot of losing in that time. And, um, you know, I just kind of reflected on my time and I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't see my career going this way. Um, I just expected, you know, more out of myself. I see myself playing at the higher, like at a higher level, succeeding more. Um, so that's the, when I, after I got hurt, you know, it was kind of like gave me a lot of time to reflect. And, um, that's when I decided like, okay, in, in combination with, um, you know, playing for a more competitive program, I also want, you know, to be a little bit closer from home, closer to home because I was, you know, on the East coast and I'm originally from the Midwest. So, um, you know, in combination with that, I was like, all right, I think it's, you know, I think it's time for me, um, to look elsewhere. So, um, I didn't know where I was going to go when I transferred, we didn't have a portal at the time. So it was really scary. Um, you know, I just kind of like had to rely on some connections that I had previously. Um, and, and my head coach, my travel ball coach to help me kind of put the word out there that I was looking around for, for other places. And, and ultimately just to see like who had openings, because when you transfer, like, you know, it's, you're just another piece to the puzzle. It's not, so you have to really find a place where you're going to fit as well. So, um, you know, I made it again, I made a list of schools. I went back to kind of, um, mostly schools in the big 10 and in the Midwest and, um, you know, reached out to all of them. Most of them were like, we don't have space or so we're not interested. And then I had a couple that got back to me. And, um, so that summer I did, um, a couple visits and then, um, it kind of came down to Northwestern and Wisconsin. And then, um, you know, I, I visited both twice. I was really torn. Um, and then I ended up choosing Northwestern, you know, for a variety of reasons, but, um, that's kind of how I ended up at Northwestern. Right on, right on. Now, of course, we, we're going to touch on that, the, your first game. But, I mean, you get off to a crazy start with them. I mean, <laughs> the first four games, you were hitting 777 after. I mean, that's a good way to make a first impression, I would say. But <laughs> that, uh, that first game, that stands out to me when I was going doing my research here. Uh, like, you said you remember it. What do you remember? Yeah, so my memory is probably a little bit different than, than the research you did, but, um, yeah. So, 
you know, just to kind of set the scene again, like I hadn't played a game in over a year. So I think like for that tournament tournament in particular, like I was so like jazzed. I was so energized to just be like playing, playing again, you know, being on the field competing and then like competing with my new team. Like I, 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 it's just hard to explain. I think, you know, every athlete can, can speak to like the first game of the season where you're like, you have, you're anxious and you have nerves, but they're good nerves and you have a lot of adrenaline. So I think like that whole tournament, I was like, I was on that level the whole time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, the first game I remember was against Stanford. Uh, we were in Tempe and, um, Stanford was always like kind of a rival for us because they're, you know, they're another like top academic school. Um, so, you know, we placed a lot of emphasis on playing, playing against them. Um, I'm pretty sure I was playing first base at the time. And, um, honestly, I feel like I blacked out. Like I was so, I was so like nervous and anxious that like the game, I remember when the game finished, I was like, Oh my God, is the game over? Like, I don't, I don't remember like pieces of the game. Like that's how, I don't know, like I, whatever emotions I was feeling, like I was like, Whoa, I can't believe the game is over already. But um, so yeah, that's kind of like the, the feeling I have, I have from the game, just, you know, um, so much like excitement to be back on the field. And then obviously playing like a really important game, like first, first jump, like of the season. Do you remember your stat line in that game? Um, I do not, honestly. <laughs> this is what stood out to me. You were O for O with three walks and a hit by pitch. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow like you know they were like, hey we're gonna make it easy on you we're not gonna throw you in the zone and we're gonna hit <laughs> and you. we're gonna hit you <laughs> like that's you know yeah. they get thinking you know you're back and you know i'm i'm back and you know you're just like i'm gonna take all these pitches screw it yeah, right <laughs> oh no, they're like we have no scouting report on this kid because <laughs> he's from the acc we don't play anybody from the acc so we'll just yeah. pitch her Oh, that was great. I honestly, like when, when I do my research, I, there's times where I laugh and this was one of them. Cause I was like, yeah, this is crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So of course your time at Northwestern, what are, uh, what are some of the memories that stick out for you? You know, whether it's on or off the field. Um, I would say, um, so one part of like the the programming for the year, I guess I would call it um, at Northwestern is we have this specific this specific time um, between when fall ball ends and um, before you go away for winter break. Um, we have this time like we we named that phase of the year and we call it phase two. And so um, it's you know it's the time of the year when you're only in your eight hours with um, with your coaches. So most of the time is spent like really focusing on, um, strength and conditioning. And so, well, and, and then, you know, you're doing a lot of individual work with the coaches. So like small group practices. Um, but that is such a unique time period, um, for our program because it's a time when you're just like really pushed to the edge, um, with your strength and conditioning workout. And so it's kind of like an iconic time period, I guess I would say for, for, um, Northwestern players, if you ask anybody, Hey, what did you think of phase two? Everybody would be like, Oh my gosh, it's the toughest time ever, you know? But <laughs> I think it's such, it's very unique because it like brings everybody together. Like I, I truly believe like going through hard stuff together, 
um, brings the team together. So I would say that, you know, that time of the year is just something that really sticks out to me that um, is really challenging, but um, you, you finish it and you're just like so relieved and you can't believe, you know, you just did the, like this really tough conditioning test and you did it together. And um, so, so specifically that, but um, I would also say um, we, we usually celebrate um, Thanksgiving and Christmas with a dinner at um, Kate, our head coach's house. And so I think that was another unique thing at, about Northwestern um, that I really liked. I really enjoyed that. It's just, um, the, our coach opening her house to us, um, you know, letting us all come in and then having like a, you know, home cooked meal together. And, um, we also have a tradition at Northwestern, um, that came from our coaches. Um, and I think their family, but it's called quake the quake. And so we do this at Thanksgiving, but every year, um, a quake is like a small cup and, you know, traditionally you fill it with water or whatever, some type of drink. And I mean, we had to edit that, that now a little bit with COVID, but you fill it with a, with something. And, and one person starts with a cup and they say, um, I drink from the quake and I'm thankful for, and then, you know, you list off, you know, some of the things personally that you're thankful for. Um, and then you drink from the quake and you pass it on. And I think it's just a really unique way to express gratitude, um, with the people in the room, um, and then, you know, do it together. And, Mm-hmm. Um, here in that moment together. So I really liked, you know, those things. And, and then I would say just Northwestern in particular, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit different, um, you know, in terms of like our student body and the size of our school. So, um, what I really loved about Northwestern was just the community feel at Northwestern. Um, we were all, we shared a lot of facilities, um, and, and not just like softball and baseball, but like we shared the same facility as football when we were inside. So it was really unique that we had a lot of exposure to each other, like all the programs. Oh, that's pretty Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like it, it kind of like brought all the programs together and, um, we all supported one another kind of in a different way, I would say, um, than, than some other schools. And so it was really fun. I really enjoyed just like, you know, seeing a lot of like baseball players, football players, uh, other athletes just walking around and, and having a close relationship with them. And that's awesome. That is pretty awesome. So that college season ends, like that was 2016, correct? Yeah. 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 So how did you end up on the bandits in Chicago? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the bandits are kind of next door to us. Um, but Tammy Williams is obviously Northwestern graduate and she, she, um, had just retired from the bandits. And so I kind of had a connection through Tammy to the bandits. Um, at the time, um, I was definitely sure that I wanted to, to continue playing, but, um, I, you know, I just didn't know, like in what capacity I didn't know, um, if I would be somebody that would be drafted. Um, you know, I just didn't know like kind of where I stood in that space. And Mm -hmm. so, Um, Tammy connected me with the bandits and they said, Hey, you know, we have, we have space for you. Um, if you'd want to come on as a free agent, um, we love to have you. So I didn't really declare for the draft. Um, I, I already knew that I was going to have a space like on the bandits. So I just decided to sign with them as a free agent, um, and kind of forego the draft Mm -hmm. and how I ended up on the bandits. Wow. And it, that year it worked out perfectly, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> you won an MPF championship. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun, um, first experience for me. Uh, 
I was lucky also that um, Michelle Gascoigne was in her first year coaching at Northwestern, my fifth year, and she was also playing on the Bandits that season. So, you know, I had a connection through uh, her yeah. as well. Um, it was really unique, I would say, going from being like having a, a coach to player relationship then to being teammates um, and having that relationship. But um, yeah, it was a it was a really fun um, first season for me. I, I really enjoyed getting to know a lot of um, different players from different backgrounds. Um, I I got to know um, Danielle Zimkowitz really well, who played at Illinois um, and was kind of a legend at um, in the NPF on the Bandits mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, one unique thing was we, when we traveled, we, we rented cars and, and so we were all kind of divvied up between cars and I always was with, um, Z and I was always, she always drove and I was always the co-pilot. And so, um, you know, we had a lot of fun getting to know each other that way, just spending so much time together. And then, um, you know, obviously we, we went on to, um, win the cows cup, which is just an unbelievable experience to kind of. I feel like it was kind of like an, another underdog story. We didn't really perform that well during the regular season and we had to take down uh, Monica yeah. to advance on. So it was, it was a, a really fun ending to the season. Well, not just Monica. I mean, Kalani Ricketts as well. She pitched, right. like, come on. Like, <laughs> and what's, I mean, right. you, you guys exactly. had a losing record in the, in the regular season. That's insane. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I think it's just another testament to like, um, you know, the kind of the team camaraderie that we had. Um, I felt like we were, we were a close group. We love to like have fun with one another and, and, and to compete at the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was a fun ending. Right on. So how did the journey to Italy take place? So, um, in 2017 for the, for the 2017 season, I, I, you know, still wanted to be a part of the NPF and, and be on the bandits, but the bandits went through, um, some change in their front office. And so, um, I unfortunately was released and, um, I just kind of had to look around for other options and, um, you know, I didn't have a ton of playing time, my rookie season. So I didn't really have a, a whole lot of numbers to kind of back up like who I was and, um, didn't have any luck finding any other, um, openings in the NPF. So one of my teammates, um, Megan Blank had played in Italy, um, the 2016, the, sorry, the fall of 2016. So after, after we'd won, um, the NPF, she played over in Italy. And then, um, for in 2017, she reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, um, some of the teams in Italy are looking for players and I know you're not signed. Like was, you know, if, if you're interested, here's this opportunity. And so, um, I reached out to the coach that, um, that she played for and, and talked about, um, joining a team over there. And so that's when I took kind of my first, um, when I actually decided to play in Italy for the first time, that was that time in 2017. So I played my first season there. Um, I obviously had kind of a a deeper interest in it because my family is Italian. So, you know, I was like, okay, that, either way, like softball aside, like either way, it'll be really cool. It'll be unique. I'll get to, um, live in the country that my family is from and and then meet some family members that I've never gotten to meet before. Um, so it was a, it was a, a fun way I would say at first for me to go, um, over and experience, um, my family's heritage and my family's culture. So, um, I decided to go over there and I played my first season. Um, again, wasn't on a great team. Um, you know, I, I love the, I love the girls. I love the players. It was the first, um, you know, time getting to experience Italian culture, but 
Um, it just, it was very, very different from um, playing in college. You know, we, all of the amenities that, that we have here um, for college athletics, you don't have there in Europe. It's very different. So, right. um, you know, I enjoyed my time. I, I didn't make any money, but I didn't lose any money, which I would say is a win to be able to travel, you know, all over Italy and um, not come out losing any money. It was oh, for it sure. Was, yeah. Yeah. My expenses were paid for and I was able to travel. And, um, you know, so after after that year, I was just kind of like, I don't know, you know, softball's really in the cards for me anymore. Like I, I lived overseas. It's hard to live overseas away from family for an extended period of time. Um, and then that's when I just decided, all right, I'll pursue my um, professional career. So at that point, I kind of stepped away from the game. I didn't see I wanted to keep playing, but I just didn't really see the game kind of like fitting you know, in my life, the way I wanted it to be in my life anymore. I, I didn't have opportunities. So I just was like, all right, I'll have to explore, you know, other things. So that's when I started working at Northwestern. Um, I started working as the director of ops there, um, after that season. And then, um, in 2019, oh, sorry, I should rewind when I was there in, in Italy in 2017 is when I started exploring how to get dual citizenship. Um, and so my mom, my mom's side of the family is the one that's Italian and her, she has cousins that also have dual citizenship that they, you know, they went through the whole application process. Um, and so we knew it was a possibility, just didn't really ever do it and didn't know how to do it. And so during that time period is when I started researching ways, ways to get dual citizenship. Um, and then, uh, fast forward, you know, 2018, I, 2017 and 18, I decided, okay, I'm probably not going to play anymore because I don't really have any opportunities. Um, but I still had started to apply for my passport, my dual citizenship, um, in 2017. So during that time when I wasn't playing, this all was still in progress. And then in 2019, um, I got my dual citizenship, got my passport. And that's when I was like, okay, you know, more opportunities are going to, are going to open now for me because I have my passport, I'll be able to join the national team, um, and, and compete, you know, at that level that I wanted to be at again. So, um, so yeah, in 2019, that's when I, I started training again in the fall of 2019. And then my first tournament with the national team was in January of 2020. Um, and I played in the Australia Pacific cup, I believe it was called. Um, and, right after that, February is when COVID hit. So, um, COVID hits and then everything is shut down. Um, and then, you know, from there, things were kind of like up in the air, obviously with events and events were being canceled and training. We had training camps, but we didn't have events. So, you know, it was a unique, um, time period, I would say unique timeline, mm -hmm. um, with, with, um, joining Italy, but, um, yeah, that was like the, the path, I guess I would say to, um, starting to play in Italy and then, um, becoming a part of the, the national team. Right. Now you guys at that point, when COVID hit, you had qualified for Olympics, did you not at that point? Yeah. So in 2019, um, the national team had qualified for the Olympics. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. 2019 now, qualifier. So I actually was not a member of the team. Um, they qualified in the summer of 2019. So I didn't get my passport until that November. Okay. So we were hoping and praying and doing everything we could to get my passport in time for the qualifier. But, you know, just like the, the legal process that we had to end up going through to get it, right. it 
didn't happen quickly. It ended up taking two full years. Um, so I joined the team after they had qualified. Holy cow. Like it's one thing, you know, of course, all the, all the girls going through competing to qualify and then you going through the legal process to get there. I mean, that had to be pretty emotional after getting approved saying like, then you realize, Oh, wow. I get to compete at the Olympic games. Like that had to be amazing. Absolutely. I think for me, like, you know, obviously I had the goal to make it to the Olympics, but that, that was like so far away from, um, you know, what was like the focus in my mind right. because it, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know there was so much to ha- that was going to have to happen in the in-between to make it a reality that I was like, let's just focus on like here and now and what I need to do now. So like the first step was, you know, I have to get in shape. Like I need to do what I need to do to make the team, like, and to make the team fair and square. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity to play in the Australia Pacific cup and like, that was my first, um, that was my first event with the team. And I had never met any of the other, um, players on the team. I I had played against them in my first season, but that was two, that was two years before that. Um, so like, I, you know, I think we all remembered each other, but not, you know, to the extent of like, being friendly and being teammates. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was unique being, um, you know, somebody that wasn't a part of the qualifying team. And, um, you know, there was, I, I would say there was some team drama <laughs> kind of included in that where, um, you know, in some politics, um, as there is with any national team, but, um, you know, there was, there was stuff in the background going on with that. And I just did my best to, um, you know, show, show to the, these players that like, I, I want to be a part of your team because I want to represent Italy and I want to represent for my family's heritage. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this to make it to the Olympics. Like I'm doing this to be a part of something like bigger than me and be a part of your group. And, um, so I did my best every day to, you know, to show that to them. And, um, you know, I think we got, after playing in Australia too, I think when, I think once you just actually get out on the field and, and show like your skills and show who you are as a teammate, but like what you bring to the field, I think that changes people's minds quickly about who you are. Um, and so, you know, I just, I was just myself the whole path and just did my best, my very best to like show that, um, you know, I wanted to be a good teammate and I wanted to be a part of their team and it wasn't about me. Right. Right. Well, let's talk about Tokyo. I mean, it- is that safe to say one of the top moments in your life? Yes, that, <laughs> that's very safe to say. Well, I mean, the fact you get to be called an Olympian for the rest of your life. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a it was such a unique experience. And that's the only way I can explain it. Like, um, you know, it's an event unlike any other. You know, you're on the biggest stage. There's only a small number of athletes that even make it to that point. Um but then, you know, to have it during the middle of COVID and there's, there was no fans. Um, the village was very different from stories I've heard about villages in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody had a mask on 24 seven and we had to do, um, COVID tests. We had to, we had to do like health updates and, and, um, submit updates on an app about like our wellness every single day. Um, you know, we, it was just very unique all everything about it was very unique but i felt like um you know when it finally when it came down to playing and playing the game it was like the the most fun i've ever had playing 
um, because it was just so competitive. It was like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. We're all, we're here right now and we have to win. You know, we're, we're here to prove that, you know, we're the best and, and it all comes down to what happens on the field. And so, um, it was, it was a really fun, unique time. I would say for me, just because you, you had to be present, you had to be where your feet were. And it was like, you know, you only have these five games or you only have this short amount of time to, you know, play the game. So just enjoy every pitch and be in every single pitch. And, um, I think that was, that's the part that I look back on and, and just, you know, it's, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to describe the way it makes you feel, but um, that's kind of I remember. Yeah. Now I, I, you talk about being unique for you guys. Of course it had to be unique. I mean, there's no, nobody in the stands or anything like that, but you know, as, as somebody I've talked about it on here so many times with past guests that were at the Olympics as well, that one thing that was unique for us watching at home was the fact that we could hear you guys communicating, which, you know, for a fan, you know, that's watching the game and they get to hear, you know, you guys chatting with each other, you know, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, you know, rah, rah, rah or whatever. That in itself was a pretty cool experience to see, you know, through the TV. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it probably was unintentional, but uh, mm. there was no other noise going on. So you can hear everything. Exactly. Uh, on. I think, um, you know, kind of, something that's, that's really fun to me, um, and fun about playing internationally is that, um, everybody speaks a different language, but we're all playing the same game. So it's fun to hear, um, you know, game strategy being talked like in a different language, but, you know, to, to your point, I think that, um, it's, it's very interesting. I always listen whenever I'm watching, um, you know, softball or baseball on TV, but it's always interesting to hear little tidbits, um, that get picked up on the microphone about strategy, about approaches at bat. Um, you know, I, I always listen for those because it's so, it's such a unique, um, look at, at truly what the athletes are thinking while they're playing. Um, and you really don't, you know, you really don't get to get that part of it when you're just watching it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I mean, it's hard to put into words. Like, I mean, as a person who, you know, like myself that loves the game so much, I love the fact, like I said, being able to watch that and, and not, you know, not only hear the, of course, English, I understand. But I mean, when the Japanese was out there, when you guys were out there, you'd be able to hear the different languages. Of course, I had no idea what they were saying. But it was still, right. it was a really cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And there, there's um, one funny thing too that um, I don't, I I don't know why that they why the um, volunteers in the stadium did this when there was no fans. But whenever there was a foul ball, they had a whistle and they would blow a whistle to like alert people that a foul ball was coming into the stadium. Uh, and so it's kind of funny because they would do this during BP and during BP, like I, I understood because we were warming up back to back. So, right. um, there would be balls like just flying everywhere. And so it was actually really helpful. Like they would blow the whistle and you'd be like, okay, I know to, you know, look out or like put, turn around and pay attention. So during the game, you know, there's, they, they played like, mock you know stadium noise and fan noise and things like that but like during the game they would be blowing these whistles during time or sorry during um foul balls 
And so it's just, it's really funny, you know, you're talking about picking up the noises. Like I've watched the games back a couple of times and it's so funny, like hearing in the background, hearing those whistles going and it just like puts me right back in, in the place. Like, why are they blowing these whistles right now? Watch out cameraman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like watch out one person in like this huge <laughs> section of like 40 seats. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, let's jump to AU. I mean, of course, I rave about it all the time on here, social mm -hmm. media. How much fun is it actually? Oh, man, it's it's really incredible. Um, I, you know, this was my first season. And so I've just kind of been a fan the, the past two years. Right. And um, I think it exceeded like all expectations that I had. Um, just, I think, first and foremost, the the character of the people that are a part of the league. Um, I think, you know, you, you never really know, you don't get to choose the people that are part of, a part of your league, you know, like you would be able to choose your friends. And I think something so unique about a athletes unlimited is, um, you know, the PEC has done an incredible job at making sure that each person kind of fits into the culture of athletes unlimited and what athletes unlimited stands for. So, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that we all come from the same background or anything like that. It's actually very opposite of that. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, everybody, everybody has very different backgrounds, um, different values. And, um, I think that that's one thing that's so unique about it is just being around people, um, that are obviously the best at the game, the best in the world at the game. I've played at all levels of the game and are, are incredible, um, examples of our sport, but just incredible people and, um, bring up hard conversations bring up hard topics. And we talk about those as a group. Um, I don't think that there's any other league out there that's, um, really making an emphasis to grow their athletes just beyond the field. And, right. and that's one thing I think I, I really have enjoyed about athletes unlimited. Right on. Now, have you got to play with Sam Fisher at all? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Sam, there's my yeah. Sam Fisher show. Dude. I always, I always have to bring Sam up. Is Sam your favorite player? Sam is my favorite person on earth. I think <laughs> like I, wow. I, I, I've had her on, on the podcast and it's a running yeah. joke now, how much, how much, uh, I talk about her on here because uh -huh. <laughs> it's, I find her just so hilarious. Well, I think it's fair. Like Sam deserves to be talked about in every <laughs> single um, call that you do. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I was privileged enough. I will say that I was lucky and privileged enough to play with Sam. Um, she was actually, um, on my first team at AUX. Okay. Um, I felt, um, really fortunate. I, I felt like Sam and I connected right off the bat. Um, just, just by our age, you know, we're older, mm -hmm players in the league we kind of have a similar history we played in npf we played internationally um but also that we played for um universities that were you know not in the sec not in the pac-12 and so um we played for some smaller schools that you know weren't on espn at, at that time right uh, and so we're kind of we kind of you know i guess related to one another that we had a, a similar experience in our sport and coming from a similar a similar place um you know, just, but just by that. Um, but 
Yeah, Sam is incredible. She's probably the smartest person I've ever talked to. Um, obviously, everybody knows her infatuation with Harry Potter. Um, and, and chocolate milk. <laughs> yeah, and chocolate milk. Infatuations may be the wrong word, but it's yeah, true. like guiding, guiding life <laughs> principles from Harry Potter at this point. Yeah. But um, no, I feel like Sam and I really um, connected during, during a game. Um, she was playing third and I was playing second. And she got a, a quick ground ball. We go to turn a double play and Sam just like fires the ball into the ground. And it was like the most perfect short hop you could ever throw to somebody. Like she threw it in like the perfect spot. It didn't, it didn't like interfere with the base or anything, but it, I mean, she threw it directly into the ground and I just like fielded it quickly, like almost directly into my throw through it. And we turned a double play Wow! and she like looks at me and she was like, Oh my God oh my God, I can't believe that you just did that. And I was just like, yeah, I got you. Don't worry about it. And then <laughs> I feel like from then we were like, okay, we're going to be friends after this. <laughs> did we just become best friends? Yes. Yeah, it was, <laughs> uh, it was that moment for us. For oh, sure. That's great. That's great. So, yeah. so are you in for next season? I am in for next season. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right on. Yeah. We're, um, um, are you ex included? Yeah, AUX included. Now this isn't official yet. I'm I'm you know been offered a contract. I didn't sign it just yet. Right. Um so I don't know if I'm allowed to be saying this right now. But um I mean, yes, I'm in for I'm in for playing both. Um and yeah, we're I'm excited um for season two. I think um, you know, I think with anything that you do for the second time or the second year, um, it's going to feel much different for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm really excited to just have my feet underneath me already and kind of know what to expect. And, um, I'm excited just for another season surrounded by incredible people, incredible softball players. And then obviously just to see the league continuing on and, um, having, having so much success that, um, you know, we're renewed for ESPN for another year and, um, get gaining more, um, traction that way, I think is just incredible for, for our sport. Oh, rightfully so. Definitely deserve it. I know that. Um, I have a little thing that I like to end the podcast with. I, okay. call, I call it the uh, player association. Okay. I'm going to throw out some names to you. If you have a story, let her fly. You know, if, if right. not, if not, just say something casual. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> First one is, uh, Sammy Netling. Oh my gosh. Sammy Netling. Okay. Um, yeah, Sammy was like my little sister. Um, so funny story about Sammy and I, so, um, her and I became like hitting partners at practice. So we did every station, every drill her and I did together. Um, and so <laughs> I would say like at the time, neither of us were really like great at, um, solving our own problems. So like we really, we really heavily depended on Carol, our, our hitting coach, um, to like instruct us. And we were huge, like feel players. We had to feel it to like understand it. So, um, it was kind of like a running joke between the two of us that whenever like something was felt like slightly off, we would just be like, Carol, can you come over here? And like, totally <laughs> like whatever she was doing. Um, but like, you know, for better or worse, we were, <laughs> we were hitting partners and, um, you know, I think her and I both had like a similar, um, similar aspirations and similar drive to like, want to be great and like lead our team and, um, be successful against, you know, anybody that we were going to face. So, um, so yeah, Sammy was kind of like my little sister and she lives, um, in the area as well. She lives in the city. 
Um, and so I get to see her, um, every so often and it's whenever we see each other, it's like no time has passed. So she's, she's my girl. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, next is Emily Carasoni. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Emily is by far the funniest person you will ever meet in your life. Like hands down aside, I will have to say Sashel Palacios is on that level. Oh, I had Sash, but, I had Sash on the podcast. She's awesome. Oh my gosh. Sash is the I, I, the funniest person, but Emily, like just for me, I, her and I just like obviously went through so much together with the national team and everything and, and spent a lot of time together. So Emily is by far the funniest person you'll ever meet her sense of humor. Like there's, there'll be times like we're in practice, we're like in a really serious drill and I'm just like, I can't stop laughing at her. And I'm like, I have to walk away cause I'm going to get in trouble if I keep, if I stay around her. Um, but okay, I'll give you a funny story about Emily. Um, so obviously her and I, we don't speak Italian, um, did our best to pay attention, to listen, to pick up words here and there, but, um, Emily's pronunciation and, and just kind of like overall understanding of the words was like pretty, pretty low. And I think she would admit that herself too. And so one time on the bus, we were, we were going from a workout back to the hotel and one time on the bus, we started playing this game where um, our teammates would say words in Italian and then Emily would have to say them back in Italian. Um, and so, you know, they started off, of course, with like really hard words with with words that you have to roll your R's. And Emily was just like totally not understanding the word to begin with. And she was just saying like all kinds of crazy stuff that she heard from the word, but it wasn't the word at all. And like we were we were in tears, like everybody everybody was in tears. It was, it was great. Oh, that was awesome. I, I, the funny thing, like doing my research, I'll go and like, look up anybody that I have on player association. I'll make like, I'll go on YouTube and make sure I get yeah. their name. Right. 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 But it's, there's like interviews with Emily. Of course she's with Auburn. Is she not with the, yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just here, I was like, listening to her talk, I was like, how is she on the Italian national team? Like, <laughs> right. Like what? Like she's a little Southern twang. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny that you see, I can totally picture that now that you, you said that story. Like that's, that's hilarious. Yes. Uh, uh, two more here. Uh, friend of the show, fellow infielder from AU, Sis Bates. Oh, Sis is the best. Um, I mean, an incredible, incredible, incredible person, like the sweetest person you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I totally did not expect to connect with sis or be friends with her. I just like coming into AU, I was just like, I only, you know, knew of her just from like her being an amazing softball player. I didn't really know anything about like her or her personality or what she was like. And um, you know, again, going back to that first week at AUX, um, she played short and I played second. And I think that we like attempted turning like six double plays and maybe turned like three. And, you know, I think like right off the bat, we were both like similarly to Sam, like, did we just become best friends? Like we <laughs> like a, such a camaraderie on the field where we were like talking back and forth with each other. And we just kind of like, we're on the same level that, that for me personally, like when I was reflecting on it, I was thinking like, wow, I never expected to like, you know, connect with Sis Bates. Like, you know, I, I, I idolized her. Like I watched her play and I'm like, this kid is like unbelievable. Unreal. Like she's so good. And yeah. so 
you know, I don't know. I just like for myself, I just didn't expect to like connect with her. And then when I got to AUX, like I got to know her really well and her personality and, you know, she's just such a genuine person. Um, so, you know, on the field, we connected right away and then off the field too, like, she's just so easy to be around. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like, um, you know, we have a lot of downtime at AU and, and her and I had a conversation one time and she was like, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but like, I just didn't expect you to be like who you are. And, you know, it was just funny, like hearing her like vocalize that because I felt the same way. And she was like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I knew you're from Northwestern and I always had this idea of like what Northwestern players were like. And I just like, wasn't expecting you to be like so nice and for like us to get along. And I was just (laughs) like, it was just a funny, like, you know, come to moment where we both were like, you know, we were both like, we're so happy we're friends. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And I mean, sis is one of those ones that like, I feel like her attitude and the way she put it's very contagious. Absolutely. Like, I think, um, you know, a lot of times in college, you're kind of like taught energy and you're taught to like fake it till you make it and bring a lot of energy and, and, um, get outside of yourself. And for some people, I think like, you know, you have to be taught to do that, but sis is somebody that does not have to be taught to do that. And it doesn't matter. Like you could be in, you know, the most competitive, like moment, the most serious moment of a game or just like a practice. And she is the same way. She's, you know, like she is just, um, you know, cheering for everybody and supporting everybody. And I think that's something that makes her such, such a different type of teammate, um, that I've really enjoyed playing with. Absolutely. We love our sis baits here on outside the shoot. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Uh, last but not least friend of the show, Italian teammate, AU, Erica Piancastelli. Yes. I was hoping you would talk about Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, again, Erica, an incredible person. Um, you know, I feel like we've had such a, she was my roommate in Japan, um, at, at, uh, the Olympics, like in the village. So, um, we had like a really, you know, really fun experience just being, um, in close quarters because it was for us, it was two to a room. So, you know, her and I are in this like little teeny tiny room with a balcony. Um, and so, you know, I feel like when you're, when you're that close with somebody, you get to know them, um, you know, just on a little deeper level than, than most other people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun. Um, just, seeing her journey, um, beyond the national team and getting to know her beyond like being on the national team. Um, playing with her at AU was really fun. I got to, um, really like get to know her parents who came into town, um, talked with them, um, for a while and just about, you know, the two of us and, and going from, you know, the position we were with the national team, um, representing Italy to being here at AU, also representing Italy and that being like really special for, um, Italian softball. Um, but then, you know, just, just her as a person, she's just an incredible person and it's been fun to follow her journey. She's, um, you know, doing incredible things for our sport, putting our sport, um, you know, on the next level in terms of exposure, she's, you know, playing in the MLB home run derby, doing like a tour across the world. I mean, just incredible stuff that she's doing. Um, you know, for our sport. So really, I'm, I'm really blessed to, to know her and, um, to, to watch her journey and see her grow the sport of softball. Awesome. What a great way to end the podcast. Listen, Andrea, I got to thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a fantastic chat. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for taking the time. I know we probably went a little longer than most. I love I, it. I'm overly chatty, but anyway, <laughs> I appreciate the time and, and thanks for letting me share my story. It's Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Best of luck, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, especially AU. I can't wait. You know, I'm, I know it's not official, but I can't wait to watch you next year. And uh, again, I wish uh, you and the family the best holidays and thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, kids. Time to get in bed. Santa's coming soon. Okay. All right. Just one story. All right. Here we go. On the Don't forget tradition Baby, it's cold outside You need to get your mittens Hang the mistletoe And write your Christmas wishes It's better to give than receive Show the kids the difference Cause this year This year has been a tough one I'm just trying to celebrate And spend it with my loved ones Spread some cheer Pouring festive beer I appreciate the blessings I was blessed with here Uncle Chris and Aunt Leah Reminiscing on the front porch Little Tay Tay Trying to build another snow fort uh, I hear the church bells ringing I'll be there Christmas Eve with my family all singing hallelujah 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 uh, uh, I said we be all singing hallelujah 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 uh, uh, Well, I'll be ready with the lights on. Got the decorations up. It's taking me all night long. Log on the fire. Put on my ugly sweater. The children are... Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.